We're going to begin a new series today, and I'm excited about it. It's a series that I believe uh, is one that we may find ourselves just kind of doing um, each February. It's an opportunity for us to just do a heart check. It's called Heart for the House, and I'm excited as it's going to give us a chance to kind of have that family conversation from different angles. Uh, What's it look like for our hearts to be centered on our, our church home and our individual homes? And so... Uh, maybe you're here this morning and you're new to church or maybe family life is kind of crazy. Can I just encourage you with this? I don't think it's a mistake that you're here. I think if um, you're new to church or maybe church in the past has been a difficult thing for you, this could very well be why God has you here is to renew your heart for that very thing. So my prayer is that your heart will be encouraged. If your heart has been uh, weary, if your heart has been beating for the wrong things, if your heart has been out of rhythm with what God wants for your life, we're gonna be challenged to get spiritually healthy. And family is a challenging thing when we talk about family because so many of us are in different situations. Some of us are married, some of us are are dating, some of us are are single, some of us are from broken homes, some of us are uh, from Christian homes, non-Christian homes, you name it, every different scenario. And we want to speak into all of that. So we're going to talk about what the heart should look like in our relationship with the church and relationship at home because they're tied together. If the heart's in trouble, everything suffers in our lives. In fact, I would tell you that if you have heart trouble spiritually, the first two things to be affected are your family and your faith. Those are the first two, uh, those are the first two things that that have the most immediate impact when any of us have heart issues. And if your heart's unhealthy, you'll be gasping for air. It's why in this series, Heart for the House, we want to talk about our faith when it comes to our church family and our physical family. So I want to start today by asking a question. What, what fuels your heart? And I know this is a big question, and, and maybe you came in today and, and you weren't, your, your mind wasn't going yet, or maybe you've had too much coffee and you're thinking about things uh, all over the place, but I just want you to focus for a second. Uh, what fuels your heart? What is it that causes you to get up in the morning? What is it that gives you passion? What is it that you want to invest your life in? What is it you want to invest your time in? Really, what we're talking about is what, What is it that either gives you a a flourishing and healthy heart or what is it that's sucking the life out of you? You know what I'm talking about? Some of us walked in this morning and we're like, man, I'm drained. Well, I just had the life sucked out of me. So Jesus talked about the heart on several occasions. And I just want to start today and start this series by reading this passage in Matthew chapter 6 that I think has a significant connection for all of us. All right? So listen to what it says in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says, do not store up treasures. I'm sorry, store up for yourself Treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break up and steal. And this, uh, break in and steal. And this next passage is the one I want to focus on for a second. It says, for where your treasure is, there it is, there your heart will be also. And Jesus makes this connection. He tells us that we can know exactly what it is that fuels our heart. You can know this morning, you're not going to leave here this morning without knowing what fuels your heart. So that's actually a good thing, right? It's where our treasure is. So if you want to know what fuels you, you have to look at what you've invested yourself in. It's the thing in your life that consumes most of your time, most of your money, and most of your energy. For some of us, it's our job. It's our image, our our kids, our hobbies, our dating life. Maybe it's an addiction. For some of us, it's sports. For some, it's busyness. It's recreation. It's retirement. It's politics, maybe it's food, maybe it's working out. For some, it's friends. Maybe it's the house, maybe it's school. 
For some, it's even Jesus, right? You fill in the blank, but it's most often identified as the very thing you spend most of your time and energy and money on. And if you show me your calendar or you show me your bank statement, I promise you this, I can tell you, I can tell you where your treasure is. That's the easiest way to find out. Pull up your calendar, pull out your bank statement. You'll know the very thing that you're investing yourself into. And Jesus tells us that where we place our treasure, where we invest ourselves will be what we give our hearts to. In other words, spending is different than investing. Catch that? Spending is different than investing. You can spend time on something. You can spend money on something. You can spend effort on something. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it has your heart. However, when it comes to investing, it grabs your heart. In fact, we know this when it comes to life. You can either waste your life, you can spend your life, or you can invest your life. So we get a little bit mixed up on this. It's one reason churches have a tendency to talk about money either too little or too much because we think God wants to control our spending, right? While God wants to, uh, to speak into it, really what he wants is he wants control of your spending. Because investing is tied to treasure, and where your treasure is, that's where you find a man's heart. So if your treasure is the very fuel for your heart, I want you to ask again, what is it that fuels you? What is it that lights that fire within you? If our time and our effort and even our money is being spent on areas of our lives that are destroying our hearts, then I promise you, God is going to have something to say about this. So our goal is this, to simply go, man, where is my heart? Maybe this morning you walk in and you're like, uh, Cody, I'm kind of all over the place. This is what I want you to do. I just want you to, from a spiritual standpoint, uh, just almost visualize God uh, cutting you open and examining your heart. And there's some things in there that you're gonna go, man, that's probably not good. And there's some things in there that God's gonna say, you know what, this is really healthy, this is good. But Cody, you need to take care of this because this has gotten unhealthy. And that's really what we're talking about. So I'm hoping and praying that this will encourage you because I believe it's gonna serve as a spiritual checkpoint. And having said that, I realize what we're venturing into. I'm talking to a culture that, uh, you're, you're like me. You're overcommitted, overextended, overwhelmed, overworked. So when I begin to ask what has your heart, for some of us, we aren't even sure how to answer that question because our hearts are being pulled in 50 different directions. You're like, man, I don't, need, I don't even know. Like, all I know is that it's being stretched. I, my time, my effort is all being pulled in different directions. And I fully believe that Jesus challenges us with identifying our treasure because he knows that there are things in this world that want to steal your heart. They want to take your joy they want to rob you. So the best way to tackle this is what I would say is to walk through a gauge of what a healthy heart looks like. And so I want to do that this morning, and I want to do it as, as a church as well. And this will be a peek at what God has called us to invest ourselves in that, that will allow our heart to follow. Okay, so if you're a believer this morning as a Christian, you should be investing in the five things that I'm getting ready to share with you. Now, I will say this. There may be more than five, but these are five that you can bank on today. These are the five we're gonna wrap our heads around, okay? If you're going, man, where's my heart? We're gonna walk through five gauges that you're gonna be able to ask yourself, and, and it's gonna be a way for you to be able to tell where are some areas that God needs to work in me, all right? So five areas, five gauges of a healthy heart. Here's the first one. As a believer, the question is, are you leading others to Christ? I know that's a big question. And maybe you're like, man, Cody, you don't understand. Like, I don't even know what that looks like. Maybe you're new to the faith. I don't know. But as a believer, we must be investing ourselves into leading others to Jesus. It's our, it's our mission. It's our calling in life. I would argue that this investment takes place outside these walls. 
In fact, if you look at the life of Jesus, what you're going to see is Jesus spent most of his time when it came to, to sharing the hope that he had to offer with people in the marketplace, at weddings, at a well, or on a dinner table. Now, he, he was in the tabernacle a very few times and, uh, that, that we read about when he's sharing the hope. Usually when he was in the tabernacle in the church, he was challenging Christians with things like hypocrisy. But he went to the, the lost and he said, here, I, w- I, wanna go, I wanna go to where they are. Th- that's what's hard about sometimes sharing our faith. It means going to where unchurched people are. So in this, you say, Cody, I, I don't know how to lead others to Jesus. Well, I, I would say this. It's not super complicated. We've overcomplicated it. Like if you've ever run into somebody and, and they're like, let me tell you about my faith. And then they start like speaking a different language and you're like, what was that? You know, like I, whatever it is, I don't understand it. Here, we overcomplicate it. Here's my, here's my suggestion to you. Just tell people what, what Jesus is doing in your life. Just tell him what he's doing in your life. And you're like, well, I don't know if he's doing much. Tell him that. <laughs> tell him, like, I'm trying to figure this out. I, I don't know, but why don't, you, why don't you jump in and help me, help me figure it out. And why don't you figure it out for yourself too? We could actually do this journey together. Listen, they won't only listen, they will hear it from a heart that's humble. Most people don't want to be told about Jesus from somebody who's got it all together. You know what I'm talking about? Because you feel condemned. You feel like there's no room for growth. I, I don't want to be in a setting where everybody's got it figured out but me. And then you're going to ask me to pray, and I'm going to be like, God is great, God is good, let's thank him for this food, amen. You know, like, like they, they want to be near somebody who's going to be able to relate to them and connect with them. If you want to have a healthy heart, you have to be leading others to Jesus. That's the first gauge. So if you're sitting here this morning as a Christian, and you're like, man, I'll just be honest, I, I haven't led anybody to Christ. When I say lead them to Christ, I'm just talking about pointing them to Jesus, then that's a gauge for you. If you're like, man, I've I've been kind of doing it, that's a gauge for you. In fact, I I would just encourage you with each of these. Put it somewhere on the meter. Man, are you you in the green? Are you in the red? Are you in the yellow? Where are you at? Here's the second thing, the second gauge of a healthy heart, is are you serving others? This is what the life of a Christ follower should be about. And it's birthed out of the fruits of the Spirit. I don't know if you've read the fruits of the Spirit in Scripture, but it goes something like this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the list of the fruits that it talks about a Christ follower should have. Now, I look at that list, and I'm like, I'm good to have like two of those on any given day. But those are, that's what we're working for. And I tell you that because I promise you, you will never be able to serve others, whether inside or outside of these walls, without allowing the product of God's Spirit to guide your life. People are messy, and we know this because we are messy, (laughs) right? And the very people God has called us to serve are the unlovely, the unjoyful, the out of control, the harsh in nature, and you'll never be able to do it without allowing God to have your heart. The third gauge is this. Are you generous? Are you a generous person? You can take this any direction you want to go. While it certainly includes financial generosity, for some of us, it's much harder to be generous with our time than money. Listen, some of us sitting here right now, you say, hey, will you give to this cause or that cause? And you'll write a check any day. But if you're like, hey, will you help me? They're like, look at the time, (laughs) right? You guys know how valuable our time is. So when we talk about generosity, we're, we're talking about time as well. What are you investing your life in? We tend to, 
our core to be takers and not givers. And it requires a heart transplant to rewire our lives in a way that reflects generosity. I want you to, to read this passage out of Proverbs. It's so good. It says, a generous person will prosper and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Have you ever felt that? I, I don't know about you. Maybe, maybe you're horribly selfish. But it, here's, what I would, here's what I would, this is what I would guess. I would guess that you love actually giving people things. I love it. And I'm pretty selfish, you know, so I love, I love I'm Christmas, you know, giving kids gifts, giving things, it refreshes your heart, but it also refreshes the person that you're giving it to. Many of us think of giving more as an action than an attitude, but scripture teaches us that it's a heart issue. Listen to me. Generosity is a heart issue. That a, an attitude of generosity is what changes and transforms your heart. They're connected. And people ask me, Cody, what is a Christian expected to give when it comes to the church? Well, I would argue that's the wrong question. I really would. In fact, those that are invested in the things of God ask the question, God, what do you want me to keep? You see the difference? Not what do you want me to give away, but God, what is it that you want me to keep? What is it that that I need? What is it that you have blessed me with so that I can live a life of generosity? Because his call in our lives is to be a giver. It's at the very core of the gospel. God gave his one and only son. It is who he is, and that's how we reflect him, is in a life of generosity. The Old Testament, uh, they they practiced giving to the Lord at 10% of whatever came in. Some of that was things like grain. Uh, Certainly it was whatever was their income. They did this so that their lives would be centered on his provision, and they did it because they knew that if they invested themselves in God's kingdom, monetarily their heart would would always beat for the things of God. Their heart, listen, your heart's connected to your money, I guarantee you, right now. Like, you know, you lose your wallet, we'll see, okay? We'll see how, how many of you go into a full-blown panic, right? It's where our heart is. And so I usually say it like this. If you give nothing to the church that you call home, you should begin giving something. You should do that. That's where generosity starts. If you give nothing, you're not investing in the mission and vision of the church that God's called you to be a part of. Whether you go to Hope City or whether you're in from out of town and you're visiting from another church, I would tell you this. You need to invest in the church that you call home, even financially. You need to do that. It's where your heart is. And you'll be amazed how much your heart will beat for God's church once you begin to do that. Because, again, our treasure and heart are connected. Now, if you, if you give something, the next spiritual growth, and maybe, you, maybe at one point you were given nothing and you started giving something, here's what I would tell you the next spiritual growth goal for you is. It's to, make, it's to commit to a goal of giving 10% of your income to, the, to your church home. And some of you are like, holy cow, what are you talking about? Well, all I can tell you is this. It will change your life. There's a, there's a principle of first fruits in the Old Testament. That's where this idea of 10% comes from. Rachel and I have done it since we were very first married. We decided that we were going to commit to this. Now listen to me. This is what's cool. Is God has shown up in some crazy, crazy ways for us through this. In fact, you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed at how Christ will will center himself in your finances. You'll be amazed once you begin doing it and how much your lifestyle will change. Your heart begins to beat again as you invest yourself in God's kingdom and you actually divest yourself from the world. It's it's, It's why the principle is there. If you give 10%, God may be calling you to give above and beyond that to other kingdom purposes. Um, and, and this is, listen to me, this is where a lot of us are, okay? So listen to me. You say, Cody, I got serious about faith once my finances were already committed to other things. So I, I came to church, but 
my finances are already committed to other things. I don't even know how to do this at this point because I'm, I'm already at my limit. Well, I want to show you an illustration, all right? Hang with me on this because there's no better illustration than a pie illustration. <laughs> now, the bad thing is I can smell it. You can't. All right. So, you know this and I know this. Everybody wants a piece of the pie. Am I right? Did you catch that? That was clever. Okay. We're still talking about money. If it, you'll catch it later. Okay. So here's what I want to do. Fork in my back pocket. Right? Everybody does that. Okay. So when it comes to your finances, here, here's, here's how I want to encourage you to start thinking. This is how we typically think when it comes to our finances. I've got some plates up here, and I'm going to start divvying up the pie. Right? First one, I've got mortgage written on that. You may not be able to read it. But I'm going to take a piece of the pie here that didn't get cut very well. Oh, man, this looks good, guys. I wonder if this is salvageable for the Super Bowl party. (laughs) So this is mortgage. And if I were to be honest, that should probably be two pieces because our mortgages basically are a big portion of the pie. Give me a second. Mm. Okay. (laughs) I've got car... That's another piece of the pie, right? Uh, depending on what you drive, that could be a bigger or smaller piece. Uh, travel ball. <laughs> okay, you're not going to laugh. Okay, well, <laughs> those of you who aren't laughing are the ones who are already bankrupt because of travel ball. Okay, so yeah, that should be a piece there because if you've ever had a kid in travel ball, that's expensive, all right? That's where some of our money went. Well, the next one is food and clothes, right? You got to have food and clothes. If you've got teenagers, that changes daily. Oh, man, that's good stuff. I'm going to have to lick it again. Sorry. Mm. All right. School, uh, and, and maybe some of you are still paying on school. Last worship gathering, we had a bunch of med students in here. And when I said school, like, there was like an audible groan. <laughs> they were like, oh, Lord, help us, you know. So there's that piece. Uh, the next, uh, we haven't even talked about this, utilities. Oh, man, that's a big chunk right there. That probably needs to be eaten. Uh, u- utilities. And that keeps going up, Right. I'm making a mess. All right. Then I've got uh, retirement. Okay. You got to do retirement. Bless you. (laughs) Almost lost that one. Okay. Uh, Oh, I've got two plates left. So I've only got one piece of pie. And one of the plates is vacation. And so... If you're like our family, and there's only one piece left, you cut that in half and tell your kids you're going to Alba for vacation. <laughs> Blindfold them. <laughs> They'll never know. Nothing like, nothing like a strip pit, right? All right. And the last one I've got labeled God. Now, this is, again, this is how most of us function. And it, what you'll see is, I mean, this is what I've got left. And I want to suggest this to you. This, this is not, this is how most of us function. Most of us are putting on this plate 
the crumbs that are left over. And we're saying, God, there's your portion. Now, is it wrong? We're giving God something. We're being generous. But listen to me. That's where the heart issue comes in. Many of you are generous. Many of you give to all kinds of things. But here's what I want to suggest to you. The reason the Old Testament brings up this principle of first fruits is because God wants your heart. And you know this. You know, if you've been around Hope City very long at all, we don't talk a lot about money. Uh, we, we do mainly because the Bible does. But when we do, it's always going to be connected to the heart. And here's why. Once you begin to center your, your life and your finances around God, you say, yeah, but Cody, what if, what if I give God the first slice? Then what if I don't have enough to go around? Well, here's what I would say. When it comes time to divvy up the other stuff, that's when you're able to say, God, I need your provision in my life. And you know what he may say? You know what you do? I will tell you this, Cody, that it might be good to sacrifice that. That may be good to cut out. Like, oh, but God, well, you know, I mean, maybe. But those are conversations now that are centered on God instead of, okay, I've taken care of all my needs. Now I'll pitch some in the bucket for God. You know what I'm talking about? That's why it's a hard issue, and that's why it's so important in the life of a believer. The ladies did a study this uh, month, well, actually January, this last month here at the church called Breathing Room, and if you're a part of that, you know how impactful that was. And one of the greatest quotes Rachel shared with me out of the book is that we tend to believe that raising our standard of living will also raise our quality of life. So our quality of life would increase if we had a nicer car or a nicer house or a nicer job that paid more, maybe nicer clothes, maybe a better vacation. The problem is the opposite typically is true. Listen, when you create breathing room financially, it may lower your standard of living, but, will, but it will increase your quality of life. Those two don't work the same way. Just because you increase your quality of living or your standard of living doesn't mean that it's going to increase your quality of life. You know this and I know this because things tend to keep us busy, don't they? Things tend to stress us out. You can do it, but it takes a heart transplant. It takes being intentional with where you invest your finances. Uh, Jeff and Annie Hafer are going to be leading a 10-week class uh, here. Uh, I think it may be starting in the next week or so. And uh, it's called Financial Peace University. Some of you have been through Financial Peace University. It's an incredible class. One of the reasons they're leading it is because they're super passionate about it. It's something that's changed their life. Uh, Jeff is an economics teacher at Joplin and, and Missouri Southern. And I want to encourage you, if you're like, man, Cody, when you talk about that, that actually looks simpler than my life. Because my life financially is chaotic. It's a mess. Listen to me. You're not alone. And spiritually, this is such an important principle that we want to make that resource available to you. You need to get plugged into that so that you can begin to experience freedom financially again. Again, it's about getting our hearts healthy. Let's keep going. Here's number four. The fourth gauge of a healthy heart is are you engaged with the church? Are you engaged with the church? In the modern church, we have adopted this consumeristic mindset of the culture. It always bleeds into the church, right? But what happens is we consume until we're full or we're tired of the product, right? And then we move on to something more shiny or we shop at a different store. That's how our consumerism works. And that can bleed into the church. And we have to be careful that we're investing ourselves into the churches that we call home and into the people inside of these walls. Listen, one of the things that I worry about, even as we, we get larger, is that it's just easy to come in and sneak in without dealing with the heart issues because the bigger the crowd, the easier it is to hide, right? The problem is we're not investing ourselves into, into doing life with each other. 
Hebrews 10 says this, it's a great passage. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good, de- and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more, even as you see the day approaching. It says, don't give up meeting together. In a day of virtual church and online teaching, I wanna encourage you not to let the supplement of technology become a substitute for the power of God's people gathering together. Man, it's awesome. Listen, we have so many resources right at our fingertips to be able to listen to worship music or catch a message or read a blog. It's great, but it can't be the substitute for God's people coming together because some of you are just like me and you need this. You need to be encouraged. You're, you're in the mission field all week in your job or at your school and you're doing life and it's hard and you get together on a Sunday morning and your life is encouraged. Christian brothers and sisters are able to meet together and, and this leads to number five and it's, it's simply this. Are you in Christian community? So these are heart gauges for you. To go, man, where is my heart? Where is my heart? Before we jump into the home, which will be next week, we just want to look at it, just in general, where's my heart? And and here's what's wild. We can connect this so easy to what's going on in the life of the church. You may not know this, but this is one of the things we do as pastors is we look at the life of the church and we say, man, we can actually tell what's happening in the life of our church through growth and through unchurched people coming in by what plays out in the gauges of our church. Listen to how the message version of Galatians chapter five reads, and this will make sense. It'll pull it all together. It says this. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments. What a great statement. Not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. In other words, we find ourselves investing instead of wasting or spending. We're investing ourselves. So we gauge the health of the church in a very similar way. And this is where our heart for the house will actually be an update kind of on what church life looks like for us as well. The gauges of a healthy church look like this. The first one is this. Do we have people making decisions for Christ? In other words, if we are on mission and, and, and our vision is to reach unchurched people and God has called us to share our faith, the question is, as a church, are we seeing people come to Christ? Well, one of the cool things about this worship gathering is we do see a lot of baptisms, but they are spread out between the three. And so sometimes you may not even catch what's happening in those relationships that are happening within the church, but we are seeing God do amazing things. I would say this, we could never, we could never see enough decisions for Christ. Amen. I mean, so we always have work to do there, but we're seeing God do great things in this area in the life of our church. Here's the second thing, serving. I don't know if you know this at Hope City, but we currently have more people serving today than we've ever had in the history, our five-year history. Through launching local mission projects, through our, our life groups, we're seeing serving efforts go way beyond these walls. And so when we talk about serving, we're not just talking about in this building, we're talking about in the community as well. Much of what's happening isn't programmed. And I love that, just so you know. Many of you on your own, you serve at places like watered gardens or God's Resort, you serve meals through SOS down in the park, you're involved in community advocacy programs and adoption and foster programs. You are doing this because your heart 
is for kingdom things. And so we're seeing that, and we love to celebrate that. The third thing about uh, engaging the church is about generosity and giving. If God's calling us to be generous, what's that look inside the, like inside the walls of the church? Well, to give you an idea of where our church is in the area of giving, you really have to know where we've been in the last five years, especially if you're new. I, I just want to show you this gauge real quick. This, is, this shows you the average church plant within the first five years, attendance-wise, and where Hope City falls on that. And I think you'll be amazed. The average church plant by year five runs about 110 people. We were at 1,248 people. Now, I say that not because, man, somebody around here did something right. I say it because God has been amazing, and he's been at work, and he gets all the glory for it, all the glory for it, right? But listen to me. God is up to something significant. Uh, pe- people ask me, they, they say, so um, at church, other church planters, uh, uh, we, we've had a chance to be a resource and get to connect with a lot of people throughout the country who are planting churches because of Hope City's story. And they say, so tell us about Hope City. Um, uh, you know, are things going well? And I almost feel bad because most of them are working so hard to just see a little fruit. And we're seeing so much fruit. And, and they say, so how's Hope City going? Is it going pretty good? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's okay. You know, it's, it's going hard. You, know, like, you just, you see that and you're like, man, I, I'm, almost, I, I'm almost blown away by even how God's working. And I never would want anybody to think it's because of a, an individual or because of a few individuals. Or it, it is truly God working among his people. And so we're so thankful for that. Now listen to this. Just in the last two years, check this out. Just in the last two years, we've seen our jump from 810 to 1,248. Why do I share that with you? Well, man, it's exciting to see church growth happening, but we, all those gauges matter. Decisions matter. Serving matters. This matters. But here's uh, what I want you to see on the financial side. We've got a lot of new people. So our current giving each week is about 29,000. This is our average. And our weekly need is about 32 because we've got a lot of new people jumping in. We found that, that we've got to figure out things like, like parking and kids space and some of this stuff. Now listen to me, we're going to be creative and we're going to figure it out because we want God to continue to grow this place. But I want you to know that um, I kicked a bunch of you. Well, you're not in here. I can talk about them. I kicked a bunch of second people out of second worship gathering. I just said, there's no room for you go somewhere else. And so they went to first hour and they went to third hour. So our first hour worship gathering has grown. Uh, we, we have, uh, I mean, it's amazing. If you, would, if you could see, for, I don't know who, people love worshiping God at 830. They're, they're amazing. But here, here's, the, here's the, 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 the venue's three quarters of the way full in first hour. Third worship gathering is not much smaller than this anymore. And so we've done the best we can to spread it out. God is working and moving, and we're doing that. But I want you to know this number here doesn't just include what happens here. It includes our ministries. It includes the facility. It includes our outreach. It includes church planting. What, what I'm telling you is we're not very far from being able to, to, to continue to step into all these things that God has called us to. But one of the reasons we're having this conversation about the heart is we, we need folks to be able to go, man, God, if this is what you want from me and this is where I want to invest myself, I'm ready to step into that. We, I'm just telling you, in order for us to continue to accomplish, now listen to me. This is the way church works, if you didn't know this. Whatever God gives us, we're going to continue to use for ministry. So if he gives us more, we're going to do more ministry. If, he, if, if, if we get to the end of the fiscal year and we haven't, we've, we've got more budgeted than we have coming in, then we're going to pull back and we're not going to be able to do as much ministry. Either way, we're going to function within our means. But you need to hear this. God has placed some ridiculous things before us. Some of you have been so faithful. And what I'm asking you in this is that some of you would engage in giving financially. Here's the fourth thing as a church. 
gauges the Holy Church, engagement. So we don't want to just, uh, you know, gauge generosity or decisions or serve, but also how many people are engaged. And in engagement, we measure engagement by attendance. Attendance has exploded, um, but it's not the only engagement. It's developing a culture here at Hope City where people walk in and they feel at home. They feel welcomed. We want this place to feel as small as possible for somebody who's new. And, and in fact, I want to do this real quick. If you guys are okay with crowd participation, I guess you don't have a choice, do you? Okay, so here's, here's what I want to do. Uh, I would like to do this. If you attended, you guys are getting ready to see how many people are new uh, from, from when we first started this thing five years ago. If you attended Hope City's uh, first service on April 6, 2014, would you just slip your hand up? We could count pretty quickly who that is. Uh, here's what I'm telling you. Some of us look around and we're like, well, I must be the new person. Everybody's new. <laughs> so that, that's, why everybody, that's why it's so important for us all to be on mission and for us all to grab a hold of what God has called us to in this engagement because it's easy to walk in and go, you know what, I'm just gonna slip in because I don't know anybody. And listen, if you've been here longer than a month, you're probably a veteran, okay? So, so engage in the mission and the vision of the church. And here's the last one. The last one that we measure is groups. And we don't do it because we want everybody to be in a group. We actually, um, that's not our goal. Our goal is not to get everybody into a life group. Uh, if you're at a stage in, in your life where you want to be into a life, you want to be in a life group, then we want to make that available. I will tell you this though, uh, Pastor Charlie will tell you that our life groups have doubled in number in the last two years. So we're seeing so much happen in all these areas. And I believe the only reason that we need to grow here is because we've had numerical growth. And so I'm telling you that it's healthy. What I'm saying to you today is this. God has our heart, but we would be absolutely foolish to sit in this room and think that each of us don't have to deal with heart issues, right? I mean, I'm so thankful for what God's doing. Collectively, he, he has got us on mission as a church and vision. We certainly have work to do. This side of heaven, we're always gonna have work to do. Our belief in Christ is actually tied to the work that we do. Our faith is tied to what we invest ourselves in. And for those in this room who are Christians, listen to me, we must renew our hearts for our church home and our individual homes. We have to start stepping up. In a culture that devalues family, we have to be about family. We have to focus on healthy marriages. We have to focus on healthy relationships. We have to manage the people in our care well. We have to focus on our neighbors. We don't have a choice. Our vision and our mission is too critical. So there's three things you can do with your life. You can waste it. None of us want to do that. You can spend it, which a lot of us fall in the trap of doing. Or you can invest it. And church, as we get into this series this month and we get into some heart issues, I'm just asking, would you invest yourself? Invest your, you're gonna see your heart come back to life. You're gonna see breath come back in your lungs when you speak into somebody. You, listen to me, you share the hope of Jesus with somebody who's hurting and doesn't know him. It's not only gonna change their life, it's gonna change yours. Some of you have been in church a long time and you need your heart to start beating again. Your heart needs to start beating for your coworkers and for your classmates. Your heart needs to start beating for your relatives and your neighbors. Some of us, our hearts need to start beating for the people we don't even know. I ran into a guy the other day. He was telling me that uh, he, was, 
He caught somebody in the Walmart parking lot, which I, I, this guy is so unique because when I go to Walmart, I put my head down. My goal is not to talk with anyone. I, I love self-checkout. That's a, like this, that's my goal. He, he walks out of the parking lot and someone needs help and he goes over and he helps him. And he's, so, he's a social guy anyway, but he helps him. And then he looks at him and he says, do you know Jesus? <laughs> and the guy's like, no, I don't. And he said, well, I'm gonna tell you about him. And I'm like, you're crazy. Like if I did that, people would be like, no, you weirdo, leave me alone, you know. And I, 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 this is what I've learned. Some people, that, they're just, that's just natural. They're good at that. They're, they're just, it's just easy for them to start a conversation like that. A lot of us, and it takes a lot, it takes a lot of work and a lot of intentionality. And this is what I would tell you. Start with just saying, man, I don't know about you, but I'm finding that Jesus has something for my life that I've never found before. I don't have it all together. I don't have it figured out. But I want you to know him. And it's gonna begin to allow your heart to beat again. There's three things you can do with your life. You can waste it, you can spend it, or you can invest it. I will tell you this, the immature spend, the mature invest. And investing yourself in eternity will be the greatest thing you'll ever do. It'll make your heart beat stronger than ever. And listen to me, church, Jesus wants your heart. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and we just confess that uh, when things get crazy and busy, it's just good every once in a while just to do a kind of a heart checkup and, and Father, just to allow you to, to examine us. And so I just pray this morning in whatever area, Father, that we need to press into, whether it's our, our marriages or whether it's our church, whether it's our finances, God, maybe we, maybe we have a gift and we have a skill set and, and you've called us to serve in a certain way and we've just been sitting on the sideline. God, would you use us? God, we, we want to invest in the things that you've called us to invest in. We want our purpose and our calling to make a difference. And Father, we don't want to spend our lives, especially on countless things, things that don't matter. So God, today, as we give our hearts to you, we just, we worship you with all that we are. We thank you for loving us in our mess and we thank you for creating a place called Hope City where, where you could meet us where we are. We don't have to be somebody we're not, but God, that you would refuse to leave us in our mess. You would transform us into the likeness of your son. We thank you and we, we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand? We're gonna keep worshiping.